Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We speak today to Scott Treblecock, who's the CEO of Core Mining. They're TSX-listed explorer and developer. They're four assets in the portfolio. They describe themselves as a portfolio gold company. And we ask him what he thinks he means by that. Uh, we talked to him about his business plan for developing the company, finance, uh, get some pretty straight answers from Scott. And we talked to him about what the future holds and timeline. So enjoy the podcast. Hello, Scott. How are you, sir? Excellent. Thank you for having me. So where are you speaking from? I am in Vancouver, Canada. You paying attention to the rules? Are you staying indoors? Yes, you can see in the, in the background here, I am in, locked in my house with my family. And uh, we're, we're persevering quite well, as is so far the company. So uh, yes, I'm uh, getting to know a lot more about my kids, that's for sure. Wow. Well, I guess that's nice, right? Um, hey, Scott, this is the first time we've spoken to your company and yourself. So why don't you give us a one minute overview of the business and we'll pick it up from there. So I work, I'm the CEO of Core Mining. Core is a portfolio gold company. We are pursuing two paths to value creation. We are we have a project that we're moving into the development phase. So we're moving a project. We've just completed a PEA and we're moving into permitting to construct a mine. Over that asset and the other assets in the company, which we have three, we are also doing exploration. So both by exploring and developing in our portfolio, we're gonna add shareholder value. The company is very new. It was put together in 2000, late 2018, really 2019. We've attracted the mezzanine level strategic investors of Eric Sprott and Macquarie Bank. And we're just getting rolling doing work on the assets. So exploration and development in the gold business and uh, really a fresh company to the market. Okay, what's your background? Where have you come from? Uh, I'm a process engineer, uh, Canadian born, spent most of my career working there, most of it in the, the mining sector. I started out at Hatch, I went to Naranda. I did take about a 10 year break to management consult down in the United States, which was a great learning experience. Uh, came back, uh, I was living in Toronto, got a call from a person I'd met, uh, asked me to move to Vancouver and join a company called Nevsun Resources. Uh, Nevsun's well-known because uh, you know, it ended up being about a $1.8 billion takeout by the Chinese in late 2018. Uh, we developed a mine in North Africa. We had another great project in Eastern Europe. And we went down that full development path from construction to building out a company. It was eventually taken over, and I think it was a great return for shareholders. You know, I came to CORE to do the same thing in the gold business. Okay, so you've attracted a couple of, you know, well, Eric Sprott, nice name, uh, Macquarie coming in early, unusual. Um, so you, you've got to have something. So why don't you start off and try and, if you could define what a um, portfolio gold company means to you. What is it that you're trying to build? So the, let's, let me tell you a little bit about the history of the company. Mm -hmm. So the company was founded by a gentleman named Jim Hines. Jim's is the, is the exec chair and the largest shareholder today. And he believed that uh, the business proposition for the company was to find a sector where assets are cheap and move those assets into, a, into particularly picking a commodity, and he picked the gold commodity, where he thought in 2017, no one cared about small cap gold companies. Gold, people were not paying attention at all. Go in, acquire assets, build up a portfolio of assets, like a bank of, of, and have those assets have real value. So resources in the ground. 
And then going into a market where someone cares about the commodity, you can create value increase uh, on a per share basis and on a market cap basis and move those assets forward. You know, Core does not have a vision to be the next mid-tier gold company. I'm not gonna sit here and tell you that, you know, we wanna be a million ounce producer in a decade. In the end, we've bought assets at a very cheap valuation point. We've ra- we wanna raise capital to de-risk those assets and we believe the ultimate exit is along the path. A mid-tier miner that's already established will come along and take the projects away from us. But we have to go down the path of, of developing them as long as we have to. So you know we're prepared to take uh, the Imperial project, which is our flagship development project, right through to production if we have to. Okay, so let's look at those two moving um, pieces, which is you identify um, projects. Let's let's assume the gold thesis is true. Jim Jim said, you know, gold juniors is uh, good. We, let's let's get after those. Um, you identify yeah. companies. So who on the team is qualified or what plus what are the criteria that you look for because obviously everyone's looking for good gold assets all of the time right so what specifically were you looking for which allowed you to say okay that that meets all our criteria yeah now now the company was the assets in the company today were put put together before my time but uh, you know in speaking to jim about it jim uh you know he wanted assets that had large resources in the ground that were developed by you know, large cap companies. So not not a little junior project that drilled out a few ounces in whatever little northern state or province of, of BC or Australia or something. He wanted a project that had been left behind by a large company at some point in the past with a large resource base. And we ended up picking up two of those uh, privately before the company went public, both of them in California. Uh, the Long Valley project has 1.7 million ounces and the Imperial project had 2.2 million ounces. And the projects were there because in the 90s, the Clinton administration and the environmentalists had chased the miners out of uh, out of the deserts of California. And, you know, Gold Corp, well, at the time it was Glamis, had left behind in Imperial and Royal Gold had left behind Long Valley. So these assets were, you know, at the time that those two companies were involved, they thought they were going to be mines. And we're able to get those assets at a at a low price. And we believe the environment has changed where we can then take those assets forward. Okay, so it wasn't a case of surplus to requirements. It was or, or too small to uh, be of interest to them. It was a case of they had issues with the, the politics of the, of the time with Clintons, etc. So, um, what what does yeah, it, what does large resource mean to you? So that they they had obviously yeah. had a lot of work done to them. But what what are the numbers involved? Yeah, that, that, that's a good point. Large is probably what sort of in the gold market, I'd call mid-tier assets. I mean, a small company like Core can't take a, you know, a large billion dollar CapEx porphyry project forward. I think that's a, you know, even in the gold markets today, that's a really tough proposition. Uh, the type assets we're talking about can produce, you know, have the potential to produce 100,000 to 200,000 ounces a year for a, a 10 year kind of period, a nice, mid-tier kind of assets, not the kind of asset that Newmont or Barrick or these guys are going to buy, but it's the, you know, the Agnicos, the Santeras, the, you know, the, the types of mines that these companies like to build. Um, that's what we define as big. So, you know, our assets, Long Valley's 1.7 million, Imperial's 2.2 million. 
and that those you know you can build you can get ultimately get a reserve out of those those size deposits right because you're not going to get them into production like you don't necessarily have a, a specialty so are you looking for low-grade bulk are you looking are you chasing veins i mean what what type of again ore bodies meet that criteria that jim set out to identify yeah cor- correct yeah that's a that's a that's a good question right now uh, there's there were really in two terrains so the two projects in california are and also part of the reason they were left behind. You know, when I say the gold miners are left California in the 90s, gold was also 250 bucks an ounce. <laughs> and and these deposits are, you know, 0.6 and 0.7 grams. So they were also at the time rendered uneconomic by uh, by ultra low gold prices. You know, gold price subsequently in the years after, after they left the projects, you know, obviously had the, had the big run up to eventually 1800 bucks, but um, the projects were already on the shelf at that point. And, so really the two projects in California bulk disseminated oxide gold deposits that are typically lowish capex to get in production. They tend, you know, the grade means they tend to be mid to high on the, you know, middle of the cash cost curve. So these are not, you know, the Fosterville's or the Chase and high grade veins. Now up in, uh, we also have two projects up in uh, British Columbia. And in the British Columbia project, the one we're drilling right now, it is a a structurally controlled vein deposit that we're looking for some underground potential. So, you know, I think we're open. We don't have a specialty in the company for a particular type of deposit. Uh, it's more about assets we feel we can invest the small amounts of capital that Core can afford to de-risk. Okay, I mean, this, again, you, this is all fascinating because it helps us understand what different management teams set out to do, what the core skills are, and how they see creating shareholder. See, see how they can create shareholder value without it being a throwaway phrase, right? So I, if, if you don't mind, we'll just stick with this for a little bit longer. Okay, so if we if we take, for instance, Imperial, so how much money have you spent on that to date, including acquisition? Let's see. So the acquisition deal, we bought the asset from Gold Corp. So one of the other founders of the company and second largest shareholder today, a gentleman named Adrian Rothwell, he had, uh, when uh, management changed to Gold Corp when Dave Garofalo came into Gold Corp, took over from Chuck Janess. Just sort of tracing the Imperial project, Chuck Janess was a glamorous person and he was in glamorous when they tried to, you know, push the Imperial project before in the 90s. So he had an attachment to it and it was still sitting kind of in inventory in, in Gold Corp. And when David Garofalo took over, he's like, what's this stuff? Get rid of it. And Adrian had just left the organization, knew the Corp dev people and was able to kind of work his way in there without really the, you know, going all the way up to the top. So it was such a small thing Buy the asset at a very low price. So 150,000 bucks, Wow. Um, bought 2.2 million ounces in a project, which seems absurd in an up gold market, but that's what the thing there's also, but the, on the back of that, there's also a series of payments. So now to Newmont because Newmont's since taken over gold corp. So we have to pay a million dollars to Newmont, uh, in shares actually in core coming up on the back of the PEA and a million dollars when the, uh, mine goes into production then after since then we've probably put uh two and a half million dollars into the ground since taking over that asset of um you know really compiling data putting part of putting the the company together we hired a great chief operating officer to run the project and he's got a very unique skill set probably worth talking a bit about a guy named mark leduc mark is a lifetime career heat bleach mine expert. He's built them, he's scoped them. He's been the CEO actually of several junior companies. And most importantly, his last role was the 
chief operating officer and short time CEO of Castle Mountain, or sorry, Newcastle, I guess it was called, which is the Castle Mountain mine. That's in California. It was a project that was successfully taken to the construction decision and was taken over by Ross Beatty's Equinox Gold. So Mark found himself uh, with California experience on heap leaching, where he was the perfect, he lives in Denver, Colorado, Canadian guy. It's a perfect guy to come in and run Imperial for us. So brought in Mark, and then he's ramped up the team on stakeholder engagement and now completing the PA on the project. And, you know, that, that's where the money's gone. A lot of money has gone in the ground. Right, a lot of money going the ground, so it gives us a sense of the right. source of quantum. You've got some GNA in the background, but that gives us an idea. And and where you just come out of the PEA, which is great, um, but you can't really do too much with the PEA. It's, it's the beginning of understanding the economics around it, which I think you've outlined some numbers here, uh, NPV5 numbers, etc., which, which which are nice, but you need to do more. So how much more money how much more time are you going to spend on imperial to take it through to yeah. what stage to be able to have a conversation with people like whomever someone like equinox what was that what's that plan look yeah. like yeah no that's a that's a great question i mean i think one of the beauties of the imperial project is that glamis in when they owned the project um took the project through a feasibility process so they went right through feasibility and this was the 90s and this is Chester Miller. So, you know, they were they were moving quickly. They were operating a mine about seven miles away, a heap leach mine in the same county in California called a Picacho mine. That mine was uh, running out of ore and they wanted to get this one into production to, you know, keep the employees going and keep their operation going in, in Imperial. And just down the road, about eight miles the other way, Goldfields had just built Mesquite, which is still operating today. It's been operating for 25 years, produced. 8.5 million ounces so they felt they were in elephant territory and they wanted to get this thing going so they drilled a water well they did environmental studies biological studies archaeological studies and they went through the full ringer and permitting process with the regulator which is the bureau of land management the federal government in in the united states so we have all of that information today still on file with the blm so today we have an eis eir on file with the BLM on this project. So on that side, where we don't actually have to do a lot of work, uh, the key thing that's changed, however, and what ultimately caused Glamis to not pursue the project was California implemented a, a reclamation law that's very strict in the uh, in 2002. This again, when gold was 300 bucks an ounce, which is that all metallic mines in California have to be backfilled. And at the time, backfilling rendered the project uneconomic and was what really caused Glamis to truly walk away and you know, just put the project on the shelf. Good news is today at $1,300 gold or $1,450 where we ran our base case, you can afford to backfill. It costs us about 120 bucks an ounce in this project, give or take, to backfill the project at the end, at the end of the mine life. So we're now complying with all the very uh, strict laws in, in California. So back to sort of answering your question, what we have to do is the, the county in California applies state law to federal land. As we know, the federal government in the United States right now is, let's call it pro-development, we'll, we'll be kind <laughs> and, and not use any other, other adjectives. The, so where we have to do is we have to get support in the county. The county has 15% unemployment. It's the poorest county in California. It's right at the Mexico-Arizona border. 
Um, they are in, even though they're Democrat, right? They vote Democratic. They're still in California, but then they have to live to these incredibly high standard laws, including backfilling. We can now come in and say, we're going to comply with all your laws. We're going to do everything you ask that us to do in California, which are extreme. So we have to backfill and re-landscape the entire property plus 25 feet original topography. Right. And revegetate it. It'll literally be like we were never there once the mine is fully reclaimed. And we can live to that standard in the current environment. So uh, we don't have to do a lot. We right now are budgeting 10 to 15 million US dollars over three years to take the project all the way to a construction decision. Got it. Okay. Well, th that was the bit that I wanted, which was okay. So you can 10 to 15 million bucks more on the Imperial project. That will take you through to construction decision. And then at that point, you will have been talking to numerous mid tiers, other mid tier companies, majors and said, well, this, this could be something that you might be interested in. That's okay. So in total, you will have spent maybe 25 million bucks. Well, the, the two and a half to today, that was Canadian. So yeah, we'll, we'll probably spend eight. Yeah. Maybe, maybe 20 million us to get it through a construction decision, which is pretty low cost because really we're, we're much farther along the path than a normal company that just did a PEA because of all that, that history. Are you at all concerned about some of this, whether it be federal or state uh, regulation? There's backfill you've mentioned, but what else is there that could be a barrier to you? What are the hurdles you've got to get over? Yeah, I mean, like, like all mining projects, the most important thing is that we build the social license to operate. So a lot of that money that we're talking about in that 10 to 15 million estimate is on stakeholder engagement. So we've already put in a what we believe is a world-class team uh, from, you know, you have local community engagement, you've got, you got to be up in Sacramento, you know, in, in the political infrastructure, you've got to be out making sure we engage with, you know, there are uh, local native groups in the area, like everywhere in the world, you've got to engage with all the stakeholders to get social license in the county, right, to operate. And if you can get their support, will likely be able to develop the mine. That's how we look at it. Okay. And I mean, so that is the that is absolutely the biggest hurdle. And the only reason uh, a twenty five million Canadian market cap company can own a three hundred forty three million dollar US asset is because there's a lot of perceived risk to go down that permitting path. Well I was I was gonna get to that um, in, in a little bit. Yeah, I mean whatever it is, it's twenty eight million bucks today market cap. Um, I mean how much cash are you sitting on? Uh, we had uh, two point six million at the end of Feb. Right. Okay. So pretty much all of that is earmarked towards Imperial, I'm guessing. And at some point this year, assuming we all get out of our houses, you're going to be raising a little bit more capital, are you? Yeah, absolutely. Like right right now, you know, the business plan and, and we are doing work on more than just Imperial and interesting. We've decided that we're going to be the bright light in the market and we're not going to slow down in our deliverables. We also promised the market that we would be exploring this year. And we actually have a drill turning right now as we speak on our project in British Columbia. So yep. we've got an assay starting in the lab. Yep. Yeah, I saw that. We'll come to that. So again, I'm just trying to build a picture of how a portfolio gold company creates kind of cookie cutter approach to creating shareholder value. So I think obviously Imperial project is, is good. Um, will you be putting, will you be drilling anymore? Will you be trying to increase the size of the, the resource there between now and three years time whenever you um, yeah. are, you know, ready to ready to uh, exit 
Yeah, absolutely. Subject to share price. So of course. the short answer to your question is, you know, in our, in our our budget this year is more than the cash we have in the bank because our belief is that the market is going to wake up to core having a quality asset. Let's just right. The market can perceive the risk as the market wants to perceive the risk. It's our job to get out there and through doing work and being on the ground, getting out there. We want to show we can drill, so we are going to permit some drill pads. We'd like to be out there, capital dependent in the fall of this year, uh, testing some of our regional exploration targets for new discoveries, uh, drilling some nice core holes right through the old drilling to the middle of the deposit to test geophysics underneath and to give the project team some more uh, some more more modern core quality data. So we do want to get out there. And I think all those little baby steps showing we can work on this project, showing that we can work with the local communities will all help bake that uh, net asset value of the project into the market cap of the company and like everything in mining it takes time and we've got a mark's got a good plan to get out there he's got the team in place now to get out there and do that yeah i mean i mean i like it i mean i i, I also like these types of companies as long as they continue to deliver and you know and, and sorry to be labor the the point on imperial but i just want to understand like how you're piecing that thing together and if i think that you can piece that thing together I might assign you some additional value to the other three projects, which perhaps at 28 million bucks, you perhaps aren't seeing at the moment, right? So that, I think that's I think yeah. that's what I feel the market is trying to uh, understand from you. I mean, I mean, I asked the obvious question. Do you, do you think that someone like Equinox is looking at you? I don't want to speak for another company. I mean, uh, logic would say Mesquite, is a mine that's been operating for I don't know something like 25 years. On paper, it's only they got a fairly constrained footprint. On paper, they've only got three to five years of mining plus residual leaching left. You think logically there'd be an extension there. However, we don't want to rely on whatever decision-making process one individual company might have because maybe they decide to go another way, and that's just a cash cow for them, and they don't want to invest anything more in, in that part of California. So we went out and we went out and we bought the original project from Gold Corp. We bought a specific set of licenses. We took some of the money that we we raised from Eric Sprott in August. That was about actually half a million bucks. And we did the largest claim staking act, uh, in California since the gold rush in the 1800s. We staked a thousand claims um, to capture the entire 28 kilometer trend between Mesquite our deposit and that old Picacho deposit that Glamis operated, they're all connected on the same structure. And the rest of the ground in between those mines is uh, unexplored because it's under thin layer of sand and gravels. And the three deposits that have been discovered all outcrop. So we believe there's a good chance of, dis of Greenfield discovery of another deposit in between those. So we, we've set the project up. So it's got not only a project in the middle, that's got good exploration potential so that a standalone other mid-tier miner could come in and say, hey, this is a good project for me too. Beautiful, beautiful. Okay, so with Imperial, like it, you're going to use the drill to kind of expand the resource, extend the li life of mine. Nice project for someone to step into and then cookie cutter approach. Having say, I saw the announcement on FG Gold recently. You're, you're doing a little little bit of work there. Can you give us a sort of idea of what your, what your plans are there? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, FG Gold, I, I look at, at the portfolio. So Core has, you know, has the three projects that have resources. And, you know, how you un how do we get the value for those resources into the 
into the you know market cap of stock? How do we deliver that to core shareholders? You know, really, we've got the ounces. We've got to convince the people that those ounces have value. And Imperial, that path is the PEA, and then advancing that project down the permitting path to unlock that value. At FG Gold, it's quite a different value proposition. The million ounces we have at FG Gold are very low quality ounces. They're 0.8 grams per ton in British Columbia, which quite frankly are probably never going to be mined, at least not in any time in the, in the near future. But what that, what that resource does give us is it gives us a great data set because what we like about the project is only a small part of the rock group that hosts that gold has ever been drilled. And because of the low grade nature of the way it was drilled in the past, they've really just left us a really good expiration data set. And so we went and we tore apart all the individual assays inside that make up that resource. We then um, looked at, can we figure out, no one's ever really spent a lot of time trying to figure out what is controlling the higher grade portions of that mineralization. And there are some really nice high grade intercepts within this bulk disseminated deposit that they were trying to define. So we're going back and we think we found a few of those structures and we flipped the drills around. We're now gonna drill down those structures and underneath where anyone's ever drilled before and try and show that there's the kind of grades that would be worthy of underground exploration. So we're trying to change the quality of those ounces by a small drill program. So we got about a 2000 meter program, expecting about 10 holes, testing some of that structure and showing that it extends at grade at depth. Okay, so, so what is changing the quality? So what's that tell us in terms of the way that you were thinking about spending money? Obviously, with two and a half million bucks in the bank, you're going to have to go out to market to raise some money. Have you got? A, by the way, have you got an idea of what you're going to go out to market and, and raise? What the, the quantum? It's going to be dependent. It's going to be very dependent on the share price. So, uh, as you can tell from the way I'm describing the company, a lot of the things we're doing are, are discretionary. Right? We could do nothing but give Mark the money to go engage with stakeholders in advance permitting imperial. Right. No, but, but, That's the that's the curl up in a ball and don't do anything else strategy. We like to be more aggressive than that. We think we've got projects of merit. So share price depending, we'd like to go spend a million to two advancing that BC asset if those first few holes are successful, but it's obviously success based. The first holes look good. You know, in Canada, you've got the option for flow through financing and other things that give you tax advantages for doing work in British Columbia. So that's a, that's sort of a distinct path. The expiration work in California is completely discretionary and we'll only do it if we've got a share price that'll justify raising money to do that work. But we, once we start the permitting of, of Imperial in California, that's the priority for capital in the company because that's where the we've got to keep that rolling. Okay, so again, I'm just trying to work out how you work out what the order of play is and the best use of money is because you know as you say some people choose to hunker down and and, that, and that's fine that may, may suit them you're you're being slightly more aggressive on the front foot and that's fine too but in terms of the way you deploy your capital because there's not much left at the moment you're gonna have to work out how do you think you can generate yeah. market conditions allowing you know we'll, we'll have, obviously have to say that these days um is yeah totally. totally. we saw a big discussion at the board believe me <laughs> well, I well, I, I bet it is. I bet it is, Scott. You know, but last year, likewise. You know, even before any of this this situation was here, people were choosing to do things, creating catalyst moments in their head, which came and went. No one cared, right? The market didn't care, didn't react. Yeah. Even even when gold, you know, started, you know, the price started to move in August, September last year. So, 
again, it's, it's just it's management make the decisions which drive people's perception of what the reality is, reality is in the market cap you know, should be. So um, you think by spending money at FG to try and work out what it is that you, you've got is a good use of time and money for you versus whatever you could be doing on the, on the other two assets. But you used a phrase there and said, you know, at the moment, the, the information that you have no one would drill, no one would no one would mine that so, so what what is that what what do you see there why have you chosen this as the next target because it doesn't sound anything like what you've got at imperial so what are you going to try and create yeah there? Yeah, you're right. yeah you're right it is very different i mean we're trying to we're trying to take an asset that was bought at very very low prices and deploy a little bit of call it you know very expensive equity capital to show that that asset has merit, that then becomes like anything else. We believe it becomes an asset. We can then choose to bring in, you know, you know have enough information to attract an earn-in partner. So maybe a, another ex, another company comes in and earns into that project, takes over the spend, and they go running, and we get left with, you know, a portion of the project, or maybe we outright sell it to fund the the main project at Imperial. You know, so we are the the, the amount we're spending is very discreet, but it's really meant. You know, I've, I'm a pretty simple guy. To me, it's like arm waving saying, hey, this asset can be something. And it gives us another chip to play in the company, get some value for these ounces. Beautiful. Okay, you've helped me understand where this sits in terms of your mindsets. Imperial is, is number one. You've got to advance that. You want to do it in a non-dilatory way. So you, you think you can spend a little bit of money here at FG. You can create something which will attract someone to either farm in and take over the, the costs or large large proportion of the cost or an outright sale. So that's what that is to you. So let's let's talk about what the other two could be. So if we look at um, Gold Creek, for instance, also nearby in, in BC, is, is that a similar story? Is that what you would hope to do there? Yeah, too early stage. Got it. So there, there are drill holes with gold intercepts there. Okay. But I think you, the amount of money we'd have to put in there to take it to something where it's tangibly monetizable. I don't right. think it's quite so there. Let's park so that. Let's park that. So uh, Long Valley, what's the plan there? Yeah, Long Valley, we we did a small geophysics program and you know compiled data so we could we could internally understand what it was. And we're working with the regulator there to permit drill pads. Beyond that, we'd like to drill it. We think there's good targets. So we will allow other companies to sign CAs and look at it. Maybe they want to fund those drill targets or down the track, we'll at least have those drill pads permitted or we can go do some work there to further define that asset. But, um, you know, right now, we're not going to do any drilling there until you know, the times are different in the company. Got it, okay. But it would be a similar, but I think about it in a similar way. It's, you know, if we can attract, it's it. you want to have as many, I, like, I came to a portfolio company because I want to have as many options as I as I can in the company to, you know, horse trade assets to make sure that the company is successful. And we believe these at, you know, we're talking about them, we're putting them in the investor presentation, because we believe they are real assets. And to prove that you have to do some technical work and because the assets haven't been worked since the 90s. So again, a little bit of capital to try and define what it is. Okay, so that's really hard and to appreciate that. So the reality is Imperial is the the golden child, the others, the other BC, the BC assets may well certainly um, FG may result in some 
cash or maybe some shares or have some value if you could, if you could sell it. But it won't necessarily be meaningful because you're not going to spend too much money at it uh, or on it. Um, the other Gold Creek is even earlier than that. So it's going to be a while before you can monetize or create value from that. So it's fair that the market does not attribute value to those at the moment. Um, with regards to Long Valley, is that something that you would look to develop as far as you're doing with Imperial or does that not have the legs? I think it depends on how Imperial's going. Like if we go down the track and for whatever market circumstances we're here, 12 and 24 months from now, we're about to get a, you know, a, a record and decision on Imperial, which would take it very rapidly to production. It'd be nice to be able to point to another project that could be the next you know, horse in line. In that case, I think Imperial does have great legs to actually be a mine. You know, there's it's a very, very shallow oxide gold deposit in a place where those types of deposits, if it was in Nevada, it would have been mined in the 90s. So it's, uh, it's something we're going to hang on to for sure. When it kind of comes in into play in the company, I think you're you're asking all the right questions and it is the same discussions the board have. You know, how does it fit in it? We believe it's a real asset. When does it have any value? Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Okay, because it's at the moment, Imperial, you're going to take it down the line to, you know, um, just, you know, decision ready in terms of, you know, buildings, but you're not mine builders. So there will be an event at that point in, say, three years time. Aren't you going to need to, as a portfolio gold company, start stocking up on other assets that you could also be looking at, you know, or developing? Or else this is yeah. a very short life company, isn't it? Yeah, um, well, maybe it is. Like, like in the end, this is about per share value, right? If I mean, core, I, I hate to beat on, on core only being a tiny little company here, but all these things we're talking about are in a, whatever the number is today, we've had a decent share move, but say it's a 30 million Canadian market cap company. If over a period of time, we can monetize these assets for whatever number of multiples times that and roll up the company, there's nothing wrong with that because it is in the end about shareholder value. It's not about having a long life company. No, that's, that's fantastic. But again, you, you're really being very clear with shareholders and people wanting to come in, you know, what this thing looks like. And I, and I appreciate that. Um, how many shares have you got? Uh, I have in fully diluted exposure to 5% and I own outright 2.5% of the company. Right. That's pretty good. And then, and then management as a total, because the two founders that founded it privately uh, own 45% and a little bit with the board. So collectively, insiders of the company own 50% of the equity. And then Eric Sprott's at 12 and McCory's at five. Right. Do you think that's part of the problem? It's, it's, there's not a lot out there for yeah. retail to trade. It, that is exactly part of the problem where, you know, people always ask uh, off, well, retail investors often ask me there, Scott, are you going to dilute me? <laughs> I feel like almost saying, absolutely. Like this is a, this is like a startup company. We've got mezzanine capital. And as long as we continually raise that capital at higher prices, this is good for you. We need liquidity. We need more shares trading because that's the only way eventually down the track we can attract institutional sized investors that could, you know, because they, I go talk to the Franklin Templetons and the big funds of the world. They're like, oh, that project could be really interesting, but I can't buy your company. So, you know, we got to get from there to there. And that's, that is an exit point for, someone supporting the company today is when it matures to being on, you know, in in indices and the VanEck ETFs and those types of things. There's a there's exit points for shareholders along this journey as we, we try and get value in the company. 
And what are the institutional guys saying to you in terms of what you're doing? Is that they're happy with your strategy? Are you getting phone calls from Eric Sprott on a monthly basis? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think Eric, you got to call him. <laughs> he's, uh, he's the more of the call taker, but we certainly have a regular dialogue. Do you remember us? <laughs> Is it that? Yeah. I know he's, he's, he's placed a lot of bets, right? He's placed a lot of bets with, you know, companies yeah, totally. of your type. And, totally. you know, you know, he spots trends, whether it be, you know, gold, silver, uranium, whatever, whatever he's into um, for that phase. But um, so you're not you're not necessarily um, getting a hard time for any of the institutional guys. What, so what are the retail uh, guys worried about? Is it just the fact you haven't really had much to say to the market? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, I mean when you talk to a retail investor, they're very interested in, you know, what news flow do you have that's going to drive your story in the near future? And that, quite frankly, was part of the reason we chose to pursue both exploration and development. I think if we were already a hundred million market cap company uh, that could raise 10 million bucks at a reasonable amount of dilution to fund Imperial, you would make that very cleanly the only thing you do. Because I, I, I get, I mean, I like your line of question because it is very much the business plan of the company. In a bigger company, you would make Imperial probably your only asset. That's all you talk about. That's what I wanted to get at, because when people use the word portfolio, I'm just trying to understand what it means. It means different things to different people, right? And I'm not saying, I'm not, not judging you, I'm not judging them, it's, uh, but we need to be clear about those monetization events, you know, how much money, or how much money is spent, how much time is spent. Are they a distraction? Is there too much reliance on being able to do something with them? Because you can't always get a farming partner. You can't always guarantee you're going to be paid in cash you know there's a lot of moving parts here so um but look and i appreciate your time today scott that was a really nice story i mean i like what you you're doing with imperial it sounds to me obviously i mean i hope there's no licensing permitting issues and california is a little bit trickier as you say than somewhere like nevada but um you know you, you got the fundamentals there you know the path forward it doesn't sound like you need to spend too much money to kind of get it there so keep it up keep talking to the market yeah, thanks. Yeah, it's location, location, location. So we're, we're in a nice location in California and we're, we're excited to go forward. Thank you very much for taking some time to listen to the core story. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com and of course our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming and we'll speak to you again soon.